Hello and welcome back to the Sleep Like a Baby podcast. I'm your host Hannah and I'm an infant sleep consultant as well as a mum living and working in South East London. Before we crack on with this week's episode, I had a little bit of housekeeping here to do and I wanted to let you know that if your child is coming up to um, starting childcare, maybe that's going to nursery or childminder or they're going to be cared for by a family member, I've created a webinar that's going to be happening on the 9th of November at 1pm UK time. helping parents sort of transition in that period so what can you do to prepare them for that change how can you navigate the change when it's happening how can you reconnect after you've been apart all day and what to expect around sleep and then also lots of practical stuff about for example you know what happens if your baby or toddler doesn't nap at all at nursery or maybe they're taking really epic long naps at nursery on their their just their daily rhythm is changing and how we can support sleep and figure all of that out plus often with childcare comes arrival of lots of bugs and illnesses so there's some troubleshooting there anyway it's all on my website and I'll do a link in the show notes but on to this week's episode It was honestly one of the most joyful, funny episodes um, I've recorded in a really long time. And in fact, it took me quite a long time to edit because I was just laughing a lot. So I had to kind of cut out a lot of my own laughter over what my guest was saying because... um, I mean, I'm a big fan of Catherine Staggs anyway. If you're not aware of her, she's an, um, a lactation consultant and she is a mother of four and her first two babies were identical twins. So really wanted to talk about parenting responsively and feeding responsively when you have multiples. Um, but I think even if you have a singleton baby or several singletons, I still think there's so much you can get out of this episode because I think Catherine's attitude is just so wonderful. Her just sense of humour and positivity is really um, inspiring, but she's also so real. You know, she does not sugarcoat anything she's not pretending everything's hunky-dory it's just a very real raw honest conversation about how hard it can be and how if we don't laugh sometimes we will cry sometimes it's okay to cry but it feels good to laugh about it too so thank you so much to Catherine for giving me this real gem of an interview with lots of very practical tips about for example how you can co-sleep with multiple children how you, whether you should uh, wake them to feed, etc. How to get a, a kind of a, a bit of a routine going with your twins, but also just lots of talk about mindset and what's normal and understanding that this right now is a season. So without any further ado, here's the interview. The Sleep Like a Baby podcast is supported by The Octopus Club the online marketplace where you can buy, sell and give away baby and kid stuff without any hassle. If your home is piling up with toys, clothes and bits of kit that your little one no longer uses, the Octopus Club offers an easy, environmentally friendly way of selling or donating things to other families. And if you're on the hunt for high quality second-hand goods, this is the place for you. Honestly, the stuff on there is gorgeous. Check them out on Instagram or go straight to their website, theoctopusclub.com to sign up today. So thank you so much, Catherine. Um, how how are you? How are you? I'm doing? okay. I'm yeah, slightly. I'm, I'm always tired. It's just life, isn't it? But you know, <laughs> but apart from that, fine, completely normal. I you saw know. you posted on Instagram recently this year about your five year anniversary of sleeping of sleeping yes. through the night. <laughs> That was really funny. So, um, yeah. So, uh, you're a mum of four. Yep. Uh, so yeah. So you must be just permanently knackered. It's just chaos. It's total chaos, basically. Yeah. What, what's the age range in all of your children? So, uh, I I'm I'm quite old now. So my eldest are uh, I've got twins who are seventeen, um, and then uh, a twelve year old and an eight year old. Wow. Now, so yeah. yes. 
that's a lot of different stages of life yes yeah (laughs) um and so for people that may not have come across you before you are an ibclc which is the highest um level of being a lactation consultant essentially um and how long have you been working in in the world of breastfeeding and as an IBCLC, I've been five years. I'm just doing my five-year recertification, which has been accepted. Yay! Which we have to do lots of continuing education and prove it and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And so that's all done. So it was a bit stressful, but it's okay. Uh, but I've been I've been doing breastfeeding support for absolute age. I basically trained as a, a breastfeeding peer supporter, which is a, the sort of, you know, mums who want to help a bit type level. Um, when my twins were one so that's 16 years ago uh, and then volunteered you know locally all, all around the uh, in all the different breastfeeding groups and such like that that we've had here in Harrow in northwest London which is where I am and uh, I just sort of really got I just got a lot out of it and um, you know so do the parents obviously <laughs> it's like for me as well I, I'm absolutely addicted to the oxytocin that you get from supporting people <laughs> I think I think that's what I've worked out what it is over the years so it's just you you know you also get a lovely surge of oxytocin when they you leave a mum and they're just happily latched baby on pain-free for the first time ever you're just like oh it's just so lovely so I thought actually this is a really nice thing to do and I was really kind of interested and starting to get quite fascinated in the subject so uh basically did my breastfeeding counsellor training a few years later uh, with the Association of Breastfeeding Mothers. Um, so uh, this is to kind of volunteer on the National Breastfeeding Helpline. So I, I don't do that enough nowadays, but I used to do it quite a lot. Still do occasionally. And um, But yeah, sort of started to improve my knowledge. And then I, it was such a minefield because lactation consultant training is, it's just, it's a, a total like confusion. Nobody knows what to do with it at all. So for a long time, I didn't think I was able to, Trades lactation consultant because I'm not a healthcare professional, um, and it's much easier if you're a healthcare professional, but it is possible if you're not. So <laughs> it does. So you just have to do lots of extra courses, and it's just working out what in that's the hard bit. I'd love to go back then to 17 years ago, mm. and you're pregnant with twins, um, and I, you know, not to make you feel, sound feel really old, but you know, <laughs> 17 years like a lot, lots changed, don't they, in that yes. period. How do, and, and also I think our attitudes around around things like sleep and feeding are always changing and evolving yep. and, uh, as a, within our culture. So what were your, well, first of all, what was that experience like finding out you were having twins? Uh, well, firstly, the, preg- the whole pregnancy was slightly not planned in the first place. So that was a bit of a shock. <laughs> to start with. I was quite ready in my head. I was sort of, you know, I, it was starting to cross my mind that maybe this is something that we should do soon, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was sort of, I was sort of fairly ready to be uh, a mum, I think. Um, so I was, tw- I was 28 when I had them. So I was, you know, as today's standards, that's fairly young, but you know, not really young. It was, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> so you can add up now and work out how old I am. But yeah. <laughs> So, um, just about to turn 29 when they came out <laughs> but uh, yeah uh, so you know the whole thing was so we kind of just about got our heads around the fact that we that we were actually pregnant when I had my um, I had my stand at 11 weeks which is a little bit early because I have a funny feeling my midwife may have had a hunch she's oh. a very exper- experienced midwife who's a lovely lady honestly I actually know her quite well now because I've you know yeah. at the time obviously I'd only just met her but uh, yeah fantastic um so I think she might have sent me for a stand a little bit early because she was thinking hmm she's a little bit large <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> I, think I was already showing a little bit you know when I yeah. saw her <laughs> so okay. uh so yes and there they were and uh, the sonographer went hmm do you see what I see and and me and my uh partner went sort of is there two <laughs> and she went yeah I was like, oh, and basically swore a lot then for, <laughs> you know, I was, like, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> Honestly, when, my, when we had my, um, our scan with my son, the first thing my husband said was just like, how many? That was all, <laughs> even, are they just how many? Because his best friend had had twins uh, a couple of years before. So. Yes, anyone who's had a best friend who's had twins, will that would be the first question. That's what my, all my friends said as well afterwards. <laughs> so, yeah, so it took us a little while to, again then to get our head around that as well. My husband actually went basically sat down the bottom of the garden for the next week, really, and didn't really talk very much. <laughs> <laughs> he sort of processed the whole thing so uh yeah I was so sick as well and it was part I think it's because of twin twin hormones you know what I mean I was on the verge of of HG really I wasn't quite 
unwell enough to be in hospital and things, but it was it was very touch and go. I have to say it was just horrendous. Trying to work and it's uh, oh, just awful. So um yeah, it was quite a challenging. So I really just had to get my head down and try and kind of cope really and not think about it too much. And then eventually stopped throwing up around twenty weeks. <laughs> so, God. And then I started to think about, oh, this is actually, you know, 20 weeks scam was all fine. Everything was happening well. So I started to then realize that this was actually going to happen. It was a reality. And um, yeah, I've always been a bit of a kind of reader of stuff. So I started kind of reading up on things and, you know, I thought to myself, I quite like, I'd like to breastfeed, but I've got two babies. I'm not going to put myself under pressure. I'll give myself a bit of a, mm-hmm. you know, try, yeah, you know, see how I get on kind of thing. Um, and what was interesting is when they um, I ended up, uh, a lot of twin pregnancies are induced. So they don't like you to go full, really full. Term. They say full term is 37 weeks, um, for twin pregnancy. Uh, in reality, uh, mine certainly didn't want to come out. Um, so because they didn't have a bed, I didn't actually get induced for a little while longer. So they were 38 and something, Well, they were doing okay as well. They left me another week anyway, but then they didn't have a bed. So it took several more days for me to actually get induced. <laughs> so it didn't work, which induction, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. It's a very, you know, it's an artificial process. Um, and ended up with an emergency cesarean and then, but they both latched straight away. Okay. And because they did that, I went, Oh my God, I now have to do this because it's now, it would be me not doing it rather than I'd be able to blame the babies. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah yeah they fed really well so I was really lucky from that point of view um so yeah so I mean we we can't be fed a little bit in the first week or two mainly it wasn't actually that they needed it looking back now like, there was no way that they needed to be combi fed um but I think it was just the adjustment of actually becoming a mum and the intensity of having two new babies which you know you can imagine it's, it's quite it's intense having one isn't it if you're having two as well um but yeah I just found that it was something that became really important and it was something that I never really imagine would have done you know so it was yeah and look what happens it's just bizarre what would my life have been like had I decided or had they not latched I don't know yeah 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 so yeah it's really really bizarre so yeah eventually after about sort of two three weeks managed to get rid of the formula because I just found it was hard work actually once once it once they once the pain had gone it was a little bit uncomfortable to begin with because I wasn't very good at latching them you know like not the first time um but once once we kind of got over that after the first to sort of two or three weeks or so and yeah I actually really enjoyed breastfeeding them and so it was I mean it was it was a bit of a slog it was hard work but it was it was still better than standing in a cold kitchen waiting for the milk to be the right temperature with screaming babies which is the reason why I stopped using formula <laughs> That's the That's the way. there's no easy way to feed a baby is there like no, exactly. I, can remember, I just had this like I remember this very clearly because most of the first few weeks is quite foggy I can't really remember very much about it but there's mother nature protecting me so that I had more children I think but <laughs> so, but I can remember very clearly this one night it was about 2 a.m and I was just I can't do this anymore let's go and get a bottle so me and my husband were standing in the kitchen babies were going Wah! you know they just wanted to go back to sleep we'd sort of prepared feeds they weren't you know trying to cool them down kind of trying to get them working a bit better and I and I just thought had this sudden revelation if I breastfed them they would have been asleep again by now and so would I this is really stupid give me the baby I'm going to go back to bed <laughs> the rest, and that was the last that was yeah that was the last time we considered using <laughs> so uh yeah so I had a bit of a wobble around four months as well because it got quite you know night waking as we know gets a little bit interesting around four months yeah uh so I had another bit of a wobble around then as to whether it was something that I should be doing but so yeah in general I'm so glad I stuck that one out because actually the, the last sort of six to twelve month bit was breastfeeding was really lovely it was my favorite bit actually so mm-hmm. um so just to you know take the pressure off a little bit by having solids as well but yeah. but it's just um yeah you just have all the nice bits of breastfeeding by then it's good yeah, and the, yeah. Easy bits. the easy bits yeah yeah that's such an amazing story and did did people do you did you get a lot of support or did people like if you when you said you were having a hard time what what was the sort of response that you got um I had a couple of quite sort of two or three no probably more than that three or four key points of contact I'd say from various different people which kind of changed me a little bit you know what I mean so the first one was on day two in hospital Mm. where I um very luckily had a midwife who had also breastfed her own twins mm-hmm. and she went right I'm going to get you tan- tandem feeding on day two <laughs> so... <laughs> so she came and like latched them both on show me how to do it all this kind of stuff and so of course that was a bit revolutionary because I then meant I could feed both of them at the same time which was <laughs> which was rather good 
So that was that. And then um, uh, my the same midwife who had you know sus- suspected that I had twins was also quite good at good at breastfeeding support, and she was very yeah encouraging. And she also dropped in this. Do you know there's a new breastfeeding cafe opening? You know, down the road at the end of next week. You know, babies would be about three weeks old by this point. Um, if you go along, they're probably going to have the the local newspaper taking photos. They'd love your photo in the newspaper. I'm sure she said that <laughs> to try and get me to go. <laughs> so I thought, oh, that would be quite cool. I might do that. You know, and then on on the day, it was sort of actually, you know what I mean? We're okay. We got so we and it was walking distance, so yeah. went out for a walk and and sort of went and found this breastfeeding cafe that was just opening. So that was quite a big change as well, because then I knew where to go. So I, I basically went pretty much every week. I think it was a, a, a quite it was a, a social one as well as being a kind of problem fixing fixing one as well. So literally, I just went there really every week, even though I didn't really have any problems, just because people went, "Oh my god, you're amazing! You're feeding too!" And every week that kept me going for another week, yeah. <laughs> which was lovely. So yeah, so that was you know sort of checked in there every week and then I found my local twins love as well and and that was another um uh, and and again the lady that ran that had breastfed hers so again quite lucky from that point of view yeah. so and also a, a lovely friend of mine which you know became a friend of mine who had triplets and she was breastfeeding her triplets Whoa. exclusively and I thought well I can't stop because I've only got two babies she's got three I mean that's ridiculous how can I stop if she's doing three so <laughs> So, so we kept each other going because she was sort of felt a bit the same with me as well. You know what I mean? Well, she's she's managing to do it. Why well, should be able to? You know, she had an extra baby. But <laughs> so, so uh, yeah, that was lovely. So we kept each other going. But so yeah, there were a few kinds of things. My mum was around for the first few, yeah, two three weeks, which was lovely. So um, yeah, it's just you know, you just have to have having three adults around when you have twins is a really good plan. Yeah, if you I mean- can manage it. Support, as you know, it really is everything when it comes to yeah. goals, isn't it? However, you know, and, and I think, I suppose, you know, I'm someone that really, really struggled to breastfeed one baby. <laughs> like I don't, so, you know, and, and I know a big part of what, I think the whole part of that actually was the lack of practical support that I had. Yeah. Um, and certain healthcare professionals who, well, several who repeatedly told me to stop. Yeah. And that really undermined my confidence. Of it would. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I just, I wanted to offer that in case anyone's listening and feeling like, oh God, like I didn't, you know, because I didn't have that experience because it just shows like you had some amazing, it sounds like just some amazing people in your corner and making you feel like you could do it. And yep. that's so wonderful. I'm really happy for you that you got, that that was your experience. And that's what you need. Exactly. And that's, that's basically why I trained as a peer supporter because then over the course of the next few months, you know, whilst I was going to baby groups and, you know, other people came through into twins club and things like that as well. And I realized I started hearing this, hearing the stories. Yeah. And I thought to myself, that is so unfair. I was so, it was pure luck yeah. that I got the support that I did. It wasn't anything. I didn't pay for it. I didn't book it. I didn't look for it particularly. You know what I mean? I just, it just yeah. happened to be, we had good breastfeeding support in my area, happened to have a really good midwife who knew what she was doing, you know, which is, you know, luck of the draw quite often. You know what I mean? And I was like, this is totally wrong. Mm. Absolutely wrong. And I've basically been fueled by that rage from then and still, still, <laughs> this is why I still do it. <laughs> so the fact it is so unfair that so many people it's not a feeding choice breastfeeding for a lot of people and that's the thing that really makes me cross is you know that it's always marketed as a feeding choice you can either decide to breastfeed or you can decide to formula feed or you can combination feed or and they don't even talk about combination feeding particularly but you know mm-hmm. it's marketed as a, as a choice but the problem is is those, those that choose to breastfeed then don't get the support to do it and so their choice is taken away totally and that's really makes me cross <laughs> so, yeah. especially as so many things that you know if you can like you know the last couple of home visits I've done have actually been quite lovely straightforward ones which is nice as the lactation is on I usually get quite complicated stuff as you can imagine but um the last couple I've done have been quite straightforward and literally we've moved the baby about two millimeters and suddenly the feed's pain-free and you're like there you go yeah that's all it took you know what I mean it's it's really 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 small things sometimes and if you catch it early enough then it stops it building up into that um that more 
problematic thing that's harder to fix you know so one of the take-home messages i always say for anybody who is expecting a baby find your breastfeeding support before the baby arrives so you know where to look when you're in the fog and your brain isn't working properly and then don't be afraid to ask for help because if you can catch stuff early you're much more likely to be able to sort it out easily and then you know have a lovely hopefully a lovely straightforward breastfeeding journey from then onwards but you know that's the main thing really definitely that's the best advice and I would say the same thing um yeah and um okay so did you have any expectations about how your twins would sleep then oh I had all the usual very unrealistic ones that my babies wouldn't be those ones <laughs> what is it about human nature we just we just it's so funny isn't it you hear like horror stories yeah. I this is me when I was pregnant I thought well but thankfully, I'm just not going to get one of them or, or how unlucky for them. But I, I'm sure mine won't do that. And then yeah. I was actually look quite I mean, at the time, it didn't feel like it. But I was actually quite lucky with my twins and the fact that they they were fairly naturally good sleepers, I have to say from I mean, they didn't sleep through for quite a while. But, um, you know, babies aren't supposed to, as we say. But, you know, in my head, I thought that I was failing terribly because they were still you know waking quite a lot at you know seven months that kind of stuff <laughs> you see you assume that they're supposed to be sleeping by then because uh, that's what everyone tells you um but actually by the time they were about sort of 10 11 months they were sleeping pretty well which is um you know yeah quite good really and uh, I think part of it was firstly they had to um you know they had each other I think that was one of the main things for the twins is that they they weren't ever left alone which I did, do think had a bit of a beneficial you know uh dependency I suppose that's a um and it also you know, made it a little bit easier on my point of view in the fact that I didn't feel like I was abandoning them completely. Uh, <laughs> so, which, in fact, I just needed a rest, you know, it was that kind of thing. Um, so they did um, they did sort of settle fairly easily. I mean, I didn't get a huge amount of sleep in the first few months, as you can imagine. Uh, very little, to be honest. Um, but uh, it's amazing what you can survive on, isn't it? Yeah, with them it was, um, but, you know, I thought, when they did start sleeping quite well about 10 months, I assumed it was because I was an awesome parent and that I'd done all the right things. <laughs> and uh, then I had another baby who didn't sleep. <laughs> and then I had another one who really didn't sleep. anywhere. <laughs> and despite being sort of parented in fairly, you know, fairly similar ways, obviously twins to singletons is slightly different, but you know, um, it was obvious that actually it was nothing to do with how I parented whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> I know that is a crushing <laughs> realization, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like parenting is just the most humbling experience. Absolutely. <laughs> isn't it? Just constantly being humbled and taught, taught a hard yes. lesson. Um, okay, so did did people though like did you feel that especially as someone who is breastfeeding twins? Because I think there is a lot of there are a lot of misconceptions out there about breastfeeding and sleep, as yes. you know all too well. Um did you did you like you you mentioned that sort of four month mark and you know that's when people start to say like well then just top them up with a bottle and they'll sleep through yeah um yeah what are your thoughts on that on that whole that whole misconception that's out yeah there? it's really really I mean when you're in the middle when you're in the thick of it with no sleep it's just you just do you'd do anything wouldn't you to actually get a couple of hours in a row basically and that's that's how I was feeling at the time is that you know um so i i did try giving um a bottle uh not at night particularly at that point but sort of uh, i was i was starting to think that maybe i'd done enough sort of exclusive breastfeeding and maybe i should start combination feeding to make my life easier but what was interesting is one of my twins then then actually thankfully looking back on it now refused <laughs> so he was like i'm not having a bottle anymore no <laughs> so, and it was so stressful to try and take him and I, I thought you know actually breastfeeding is all right I can keep going it's fine so I just thought you know what's on this I'll just I'll just feed him and carry on for a bit and see how we get on and I said I'm so relieved that that happened because actually it was really lovely after that you know what I mean the next bit was actually not quite as intense and, and not quite as difficult so um but yes yeah, so for me it was I had I I knew that night waking was quite normal but then you do read all the kind of you know sleep training stuff don't you and, and sort of there's a lot of pressure to do that um I mean I've, with twins they 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 kind of have to be you know they can't they do have to learn to wait a little bit with twins it's difficult because you can't be totally as responsive as you want to be you know it's just impossible I and mean, it's very very difficult from that point of view. that's one of the hardest things really it's just you feel like you're being split in two the entire time you get incredibly fast at nappy changes and you get <laughs> you know so I was trying to 
find ways of making my life as easy as possible. So for me, talent fitting to they, you know before they went to sleep, and then the, there's the other um, ultimate question always of having twins is, do you wake the second baby at night? That's the ultimate dilemma because, of course, especially for those who prefer to turn them feed, it's much quicker to feed both at the same time and get them back to sleep again than it is if to feed one and then the other one wakes up half an hour later just after you've gone back to sleep, which is just... <laughs> but then there's also that tendency some, you know, twins are individuals and, what you know, one of them may sleep naturally longer than the other. And actually, if you leave them, sometimes they feed better when they wake up. And, you know, what I mean? so it's just this ultimate kind of dynamic so I can remember going through that a bit around this kind of five four five month age once they they had a period of real frequent waking and then once it had passed a little bit probably more like five five to six months then I expect just thinking to myself should I what do I do do I wait a second one or not you know and it's just and we tried it sometimes and not others and it was just yeah it was a bit all over the place so yeah it was, it was um slightly challenging from that point of view but we did get to a stage where they became sort of fairly you know, they had their sort of sleep cycles. I think mine are identical, which probably helps a little bit because I think they have more similar sleep needs and such like. So I think that does help a little bit. With those that have got non-identical twins, you can, you know, the genetic side of the thing can be completely different from one baby to the next. I think it, it uh, yeah, a lot of, yeah, I did a survey. I've got, I run a Facebook group called Breastfeeding Twins Trivers UK, um, which has about 8,000 members now. And, um, I did a little survey in there, and um, so we're going. We're going to go into orchids and dandelions in a minute, aren't we? But I did a little survey about whether um, they thought that their twins were equally as you know, either both sort of on the easier side of sleep, or one of each, where you know one was easy and one was much more difficult, or whether they had two really difficult ones. Thankfully, the there were a few that I, was, I felt very sorry for the ones that <laughs> takes the two difficult ones. <laughs> so there were a few of those, but actually the majority had one of each, which was very interesting. And then there were a few lucky ones who had two easy babies. That's my experience of working with twin family. I've, I've, I've like, oh, there seems to always be the sensitive twin. Like, <laughs> and I was like, this, this may, maybe this is a thing. Yes, yeah. I think it is. And even my identical ones, one of them was far more sensitive than the other you know yeah. one of them really shouldn't have been a twin yeah. honestly he, he was oh. the worst twin that you could <laughs> he shouldn't have been one I said that all the way through the first year this one really shouldn't have been a twin <laughs> it's just, he just needs me all the time <laughs> so, uh, the other one was luckily was totally laid back and was quite happy just to sit and you know watch what was going on and you know lie on the floor or in his bouncer or whatever he was absolutely fine so that did help which is useful but but then you get that am i neglecting the other twin thing you know what i mean you get we get so many posts like that on the facebook group going i just feel like i'm never cuddling the other one because the high needs one always wants me all the time <laughs> so, it's a total struggle it's a huge thing isn't it i think for, for well for, i think for all parents anyway but particularly when you've got multiple children and i think that is incredible that must be incredibly intense if you've got two children the exact same age yeah. <laughs> or three children you know and um i i was quite i was i'm very i feel very grateful although it's a bit selfish but in my antenatal group we had a, we had a set of twins yeah. um uh so you know incredibly hard work for her but really put a lot of stuff in perspective for the rest of us and we also got to see how actually how different babies could be with the same life yeah. experience and exactly. constantly be reminding us one is doing this now and the like one is rolling and the other is nowhere near like he's just lying yeah. there looking happy you know all of that stuff was very reassuring but she did talk a lot about that guilt and that or, or just that feeling of being split in two and yeah. do you have any advice for twin mums feeling that right now uh just basically that there's there's you just have to go <laughs> there's nothing you can do you're only doing your best. That's all you can do at the end of the day. So, um, and also the main thing is being a responsive parent is being responsive to your baby's needs. Mm -hmm. So if your baby doesn't need you, that is okay. Yeah. So that's the thing. So it's okay if your child is one of those you know, uh, babies who really doesn't need to be picked up all the time and is quite happy, you know, sitting looking around in their bouncer. <laughs> Basically, that's okay. You can do that that's fine and you can concentrate on the one who needs you i often i always found as well that if the um the more chilled out one generally was like unwell or something like that they seem to have this sixth sense actually and my slightly more high needs child was actually more chilled out whilst i dealt with the other one and then as soon as he felt better or whatever it was that was causing it teething you know all sorts of stuff that could as soon as he felt better he would then switch back into his normal self <laughs> 
<laughs> but they did have, seem to have this where they sort of you know they'd sense that actually mummy really does need to see the other one now uh, a little bit more than, than normal uh for whatever reason um so they did switch a little bit but yeah they're really they're really uh, i think remembering that the babies are individual and i said even identical twins are very individual totally different personality types immediately, immediately they were born honestly to, from the second they came out <laughs> so so um you know remembering that they're not the same uh even identical ones responding and just trying to be in the moment and not over analyzing and trying not to compare your own babies as well and it's you know it's always difficult even when you're you know single to mum isn't it is comparing against all your friends about what they're doing and whether they whether they well, my baby's not doing that yet they want to, you know this is something to worry about kind of stuff but when you have two who also in the same same age but also totally different as your friend's one yeah you know actually that can be quite worrying <laughs> so, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah it's, like it's that. usually that both babies are normal, but at sort of opposite ends of the no scale of normal. You know, that's kind of how it works often. You know, so it's um, but yeah, and they will, they will do everything eventually. Obviously, and you know, some some will walk quicker, some will talk quicker. They, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's really just a matter of kind of going with it. And as soon as I relaxed, which took me quite a few weeks, <laughs> I have to say I was I was a, trying to kind of control everything to begin with, as I think many first time mums do, especially. And then I, I can remember having it again, having a the other early conversation I remember with my husband, we were going, you know what, if I just feed them, it's much easier. <laughs> so I had this revelation. They didn't need to feed every three hours. Actually, it was all right if they fed earlier than that. It was okay. It was fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, and that actually made life a lot less stressful when I did that. So, and yeah, at that point. And I also book, bought the um, book, Brazelton's Touch Points. I don't know where we got it from. It's just seem to appear on my bookcase I don't know what happened whether I bought it or my husband bought it or something like that he's always been quite interested in sort of psychology and things like that so I think it might have been him actually um so I started kind of just dipping into that and realizing that all their behaviors were caused by something usually developmental and actually from that point of view that really helped me because I knew it wasn't anything I was doing wrong yeah. I think that's one of the main main things is actually most of the you know because actually most of the challenges that you get when um you know, babies are maybe not sleeping or something like that. And nothing that you've done, are they? They're all because they're learning loads of new stuff or their, you know, their sleep patterns have changed developmentally. They're kind of doing new things, all that kind of stuff. And when I actually understood that, it made it a lot easier to deal with, even though it's still hard. I just knew that there was a cause. They weren't just doing it to annoy me or to try and manipulate me. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like yeah. people tell you that they're supposed yeah. to. <laughs> but there actually was a reason behind it. And that, yeah, so I think learning a bit about how babies sort of work and their development actually really helped as well. So. Yeah, definitely. And did you feel then a pressure to get them onto a routine? Yeah, and everything you read about having twins is that you have to have a routine to cope. Mm. That's what everything is. Even Twins Trust, one of the first things you're expecting twin, you know, some of the tips, get them into a routine, it says straight away. So there's routines and routines, of course. Yeah. So I was in the fact that I preferred to tandem feed. So I did tend to wake the second baby, especially in the daytime. So mm -hmm. they would feed together, which then had a knock on effect to them sometimes having a nap at the same time, which mm -hmm. was slightly life changing. <laughs> if you can get them to sleep at the same time in the daytime, it means you can either um, sleep yourself, which was what I tended to do in the mornings mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, or, uh, you know, actually get in the shower, which is quite challenging when you have two babies. Uh, or whatever you know what I mean so for me I did tend to do that and you know certainly for the first half of the day and then it usually went out the window slightly by the end of it but um so that's a sort of routine you know it's kind of a routine the routine is a pattern of behavior isn't it but it, it the scheduling side of things was where it got stressful and where it didn't work so well and and I soon I'm not really a, a scheduling type person generally anyway so once I kind of let go of that they should be feeding every three hours and napping this i remember opening a certain book that many of us don't like very much and reading about that kind of you should put your child down sleepy but no drowsy but awake it says doesn't it and i went <laughs> shut the book and put it back on the shelf so i don't know what gave me the actual um confidence to know that that was rubbish because a lot of people get very stressed by that don't they yeah and think that their baby's not doing what they should be doing because they don't do that yeah but for some reason, I knew that actually that was okay and put it back and didn't read it, which I think was far better. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's interesting because I, I have to say, I think there's a, I think a lot of people, 
believe that if they've got two babies, they, they ha- they're going to have to self-settle. They're going to, you know, and I, I understand that, you know, especially, well, you're a mum of four, so you get it. Like, you know, you've got your hands full and it's difficult. Um, but particularly in those early stages with twins, what would you say to anyone who feels like that is feeling that drowsy but awake anxiety right now? I think it's to use feeding as much as possible as whenever it works. But you do get stuck in the feeding cushion. <laughs> That's the hardest bit. If you're tandem feeding, especially, you get stuck in the feeding cushion because they sleep much better when they're next to you, as we all know. You know, mm-hmm. So if you move them off the, the feeding cushion and put them down, they tend to wake up. <laughs> so for me, because I had my twins first, it was okay because I literally just, you know, have one on each, feet up, teddy on. Yeah. And I used to only put them down if I needed a wee. That's <laughs> <Yeah>. basically <laughs> You know what I mean? So I really, really need a wee. I'm just gonna put you down, and I thought I'm, they're going to wake up and give me two minutes to just go for a wee. <laughs> so I was quite happy, you know, sitting there with a the tail on. And then the other thing, I I would make sure I went out every day and did a buggy nap, and I think that made a massive difference to me as well. So that there were at least one good nap a day where I wasn't, it wasn't on me, and I wasn't feeling touched. For those with toddlers and things like that, on top of having twins, that's a little more challenging. So I think actually using the buggy, and you know being out with your toddler going to groups things like that as well you know actually although it might seem really really overwhelming it actually helps because firstly your toddler is entertained by something that's really important because toddlers are hard work secondly uh you go somewhere and you've got two cute babies that all the mum goes oh can I have a cuddle so you actually have a whole morning where you don't have to cuddle your own baby someone else will do it for you and I just hand them back when they need feeding which is actually okay <laughs> so- so that's really nice and <laughs> you can actually have a hot cup of tea which just doesn't happen very often <laughs> so um yeah if you can sort of find a nice friendly environment that you can go and do that in you know what i mean if it's somewhere where you've been going since your your baby was little and that that's the best sort of place you know and some of the like the church toddler groups and things like that are quite good from that point of view and you always have a lovely old lady running them making the tea who likes to cuddle babies as well so there's always one of the if you can have someone you can offload one baby to that's usually quite good <laughs> and everybody loves cuddling a new baby so they don't mind at all it's lovely so I think you know that that's one of the things that can help a lot I so yeah trying to get out of the house every day yeah. even if it's just for a walk around the block makes a big difference you know so I used to go and you know basically put if it's raining I'd put my hood up or I'd go we thankfully we live walking distance to towns so I used to just walk into town and go around the shopping center and window shop yeah. with the babies if it was raining or I'd go around the park if it wasn't or whatever so but yeah that made a big difference so using motion also and actually if you're trying to if you're struggling to settle your baby with feeding especially if they're doing if you're trying to settle them at the same time and you are getting stuck in the feeding cushion and you can't get out and you need to then actually doing the motion naps actually works much better you know what I mean and you can actually keep them slightly more in sync sometimes because if you tend to go out for a buggy walk at the same time every day roughly yeah. your babies are quite like to sleep at the same time yeah. you know so yeah so yeah. that works that's one of the, the big big tips really is to use what works they don't have to have cot naps in fact cot naps are quite stressful I think yeah generally. yeah they can be incredibly stressful and and sometimes you know you can end up getting caught like really nap trapped because then yeah you, you can't go out but you know, but you know, they're all different, aren't they? And they are. I think I think the key anyway, and I'm someone who's really prone to catastrophizing, especially mm. when I'm tired and feeling overwhelmed. So I think it just helps to rem- remind yourself, doesn't it, that this isn't forever. Like they, yeah. they need less sleep as they get older. They just, you know, then And the- they'll sleep more big, bigger chunks as they get older. <laughs> Let's sleep a bit longer. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes I think when you've got a young baby, two months away so that feels can feel like a really long time, can't it? And yeah. you do look at the difference between like a four month old and a six month old. And sometimes you think like they're like teenagers, those six month olds. <laughs> but no, yeah. yeah, the naps will drop. You won't all yeah, your day won't always be revolving around so many naps with with two babies, I guess. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um I think uh, uh the other thing though is a lot of twin parents really do value those naps because it means that you've got a tiny bit of time that, yeah. Yeah, so you don't have to be touched by somebody you yeah. can actually you know but we're so under pressure again to then run around and do all the housework aren't you in the nap nap time you know what yeah. I mean and actually really what you should be doing is sitting and actually kept you know resting or sleeping or whatever yourself really if we can but it's it's really difficult um not to fall into that again that trap of having to do all the stuff and you're baby's nap where you're running around wait you know in case they wake up in five minutes I've got five minutes to do the dishwasher you know so uh, I'm always a big advocate of trying to do any chores that you've got to do with the babies awake actually because they're quite often quite happy to sit and 
what? watch the washing machine go around or or may, you know help you help you <laughs> especially as they get older they get quite helpful when they're older <laughs> so, you know but trying to trying to do those sort of chores with having a sling and things like that could be really useful you know yeah, yeah. there are uh, some very clever slings out there aren't there for twins there's, yeah there are some good twin ones which didn't exist when mine were little and god i wish they had done (laughs) you have a lot of like friends i guess or people having babies at the same time as you then that were on a similar mindset like you found that book and and put it away um and funnily enough i i don't know if it's the same book but uh a certain like woman who was very popular i suppose around 17 years ago and was very big on strict routines and no I very likely that one yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh my friend one of my friends who had twins gave me like her a set of her books because she was like you won't you won't survive without this you know very well intentioned um but um yeah I don't know so I, I suppose like did you feel like you were the one doing it differently or did you actually feel like quite a lot of other people were sort of going at the flow and figuring it out um it was a tricky one because firstly I was the first one out of my set of friends to have uh, have babies and then I had two at once which is a bit weird but once I kind of got my little group of mum friends going I think I found my um through being at the breastfeeding group even, even though there were mainly singleton mums I sort of found and the the lady at the ran group which who's called Alison Spiro, who's an amazing lady, um, uh, completely turned breastfeeding sport around in Harrow single-handedly. <laughs> she was a health sister, and uh, she basically designed her role and then got them to fund her, which I always think is quite impressive. <laughs> so she became a, a breath, breastfeeding specialist health sister. She called herself. She does, you know, and she basically wrote her role and then said, "Pay me, pay me to do this." Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> and they did. I was like, "How do you manage to? How do you manage to do that?" Anyway, so uh, but yeah, she was amazing. Um, so she was very much, um, you know, to try and kind of, you know, go with the flow and that the babies need this, that, and the other, and you know, they're not manipulating you and they're not. All... So she was a very useful influence. And and then the mums that I was around were kind of again in that sort of um mindset i suppose because they you know the breastfeeding groups at those times was very much you'd see this you know the same people every week and then have the odd new person come in every so often you know so it was it was quite a social thing as well as being for breastfeeding support so i think that helped a lot but i really didn't really really kind of um the twins club again the the lady that ran it her twins were babies four and five so she had a very different mindset to me as a first-time mom so she was very laid back just like yeah. Ah, it'll all be fine. Just yeah. go with it. It's absolutely fine. You know what I mean? Because by the time you're on babies four and five, you've given up trying to have any sort of routine. <laughs> so, so I very much kind of warmed to her because I'm a slightly chaotic person by nature, you know, generally. So it's um, so yeah, for me that that validated my, you know, if Tracy can do it with like you know, three older children, I'm sure, sure it's fine. <laughs> so, but um, yeah, I think it. it I, I don't know where the where the actual self belief came from to reject all these ideas. I don't really know what happened there. My mum actually, I think my mum was quite a good influence. She was quite a responsive parent in an era where that really wasn't a thing, yeah. you know. So back in the seventies, you know. Yeah, I think that so. does make a difference, doesn't it? I was wondering as well. I guess you know, social media didn't really exist. Obviously, not like it did no. today. Um, didn't and, exist at all. I can assure yeah. you. Yeah, and and that. <laughs> that's it. And you know um you are now working every day with brand new families and of course you have an eight-year-old as well so you're not that long out of baby stage either even you know but you know how do you see like what do you see today with the families you work with with their you know with their brand new babies and their attitudes towards feeding I I think there has been a bit of a a, a sea change sort of in the last probably five years or so maybe ten where it has become, you know, the sort of responsive parenting and the less around schedules, things like that, does seem to be getting a little bit more um, popular. Is that word? Is that the way to put it? You know what I mean? It's sort of yeah. more accepted, let's say, yeah. that babies, um, you know, I mean, there are still those that will advocate sleep training and advocate strict routines and things like that. And they're usually the ones that have the chilled out babies who will fit into a, a lovely, Mm-hmm. yeah routine that you've bought yeah. off the shelf 
and they just go with the flow. And there are a certain percentage of the population which will do that. I think it's about 15, isn't it? Or something the research says, something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you've got one of those 15% and then it works for you, then you're going to tell everybody how to do it. And this is the thing. But it doesn't work for everybody. So I think that that's the... So it is becoming a bit more... But I'm still getting DMs every single day on my Instagram going, oh my God, your Instagram's so great. It just makes me feel like I'm not doing everything wrong. Yeah. And you're just like, where, yeah, where do they get this from? You know, that they're doing everything wrong. I think it's just that, you know, I don't know. <laughs> so, so following the right accounts is important on social media. There's an, obviously, there's a lot of stuff making. I don't, I don't know where I got the whole idea that I was doing everything wrong myself because actually even my son's like three and a half now. And even then, I don't think Instagram or lots, you know, wasn't quite as... No. Even then, it was quite different. And... But anyway, I, I I think it's yeah. I think you're probably just in I think as a mum, we we just think we're doing yeah wrong because we blame ourselves for everything. Yeah, and so it's just naturally what you what you think is it's it must be something I'm doing. So when you actually start the realization that it isn't anything you're doing, and that actually this is the actually it's the baby's fault. So that's what I always say to people. <laughs> <laughs> it's they're doing this because they 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 can't cope with life at the moment you know what i mean that's yeah, it's them yeah. it's them they need your support they need your you know yeah. uh, and when you rephrase it re- reframe it in that way that it's actually i i, I had this uh lovely video calling right in the middle of lockdown uh the, the mum had given birth just as we were going into lockdown you know march 2020 and she probably February 2020 I think she was just before lockdown and she kind of got breastfeeding going it was working but then straight into lockdown and she had a video call with me about four months and she was in absolute floods of tears she started combination feeding and she didn't want to she'd stop because of all sorts of things she was like the baby's uh, baby it was single baby baby won't feed for more than two minutes I'm not making enough milk I'm not kind of doing this the baby won't sleep the baby won't do this you know what I mean I'm just uh, I've just messed this baby up I've completely broken them and the first thing I said was but this this is what babies of this age do. And she was like, what? I said, yeah, yeah. And so then I listed, you know, mm. all the stuff that, that, that four-month babies are renowned mm. for, i.e. short naps, not being able to concentrate on anything for more than two seconds, really short feeds because, again, they have a little bit and then they're like, oh, there's something else. You know, they're so distracted. <laughs> they're so distractible, all that kind of stuff. And she was just, and then she was like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Yeah. You mean I haven't? And she was, yeah, you know what I mean? She had no idea that, that everything that she was experiencing was completely normal. And she was then, was like, so I didn't need to introduce the bottle. I was like, probably not. <laughs> she was like, oh, can I get it back? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, dear. So, yeah, you know what I mean? It's just, it, because she had absolutely no one around her at that point because of lockdown. You know, everything has stopped and we hadn't really got ourselves. You know, give it another six months and we were all had a, had a much more an online presence and we're starting to, you know, do Facebook lives and, you know, Instagram lives and, post, you know, all this sort of stuff and Q&As and everything like that that suddenly kicked off in lockdown yeah. because no one had any other sport. That's why. So, you know, once we all started to do that, I think it was a bit better again. But it's, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, she just had a baby at totally the wrong time. Bless her. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was really hard for mums. And it's so funny what you say about that kind of like 15% of babies that will just stick, go with the routines and that sleep training might be a few minutes of fussing and they're done. And I, sometimes I think if I'd not had a really sensitive refluxy, like tongue tied baby, would I be a sleep trainer now? Maybe. Do you know? Yes, (laughs) exactly. Like it's interesting, isn't it? Like how, um, and so tell me about your orchid because to have an orchid at number four, (laughs) <laughs> that was a bit yeah i mean i said i had a, a slight orchid tendency with her with with twin yeah twin one yeah little bit i had i had realized that it there was a difference between different personality types things like that as well so he was he was probably really shouldn't have been a twin but yeah he was um because he was a twin though he also did get some a lot of support from his brother and i think that helped a lot you know mm-hmm. as well so there was that kind of thing going on so that did make it slightly easier is that the word I don't know probably not but you know what I mean <laughs> so it wasn't so but yes number four was um an interesting one because he is I mean still now it's better than it was but um when he does go through a develop we're just in the middle of a slightly interesting time at the moment with him last six months ago he was a oh 
just a breeze totally easy yeah. and now we're going back to toddler tantrums again at the moment anyway <laughs> so i just put a post on facebook about it and i had about i know quite a few people with similar age babies on facebook because we were all in a in a group together due in april yeah. 2014 or whatever it was yeah. yeah and um a lot of the people i'm still in contact with on facebook and they went oh my god mine's doing this as well <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's obviously it's a developmental thing yeah <laughs> always good to know it's normal though isn't it even but yeah he was he was very very hard work literally i mean from again from the minute he was born i, I don't think i really could put him down really for the first six months but he was so determined to do everything as well that he was he actually I've got a video of him he learned to crawl at six months and two days and he was walking at nine and a half months and (laughs) it was just like he was just one of those who wanted to not be a baby was basically he didn't really enjoy being a baby I don't think he was very hard to settle he had you know proper I mean all my kids were a bit unsettled in the evenings and you know a bit you know colicky as they Mm. if you call it that I'm not sure about colic I think it's a I don't know. Yeah. Well, colic is un, undiagnosed crying, isn't it? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. a lot of babies are on Saturday in the evening, but he really did take it to the stream. I was out in the sling with him every single night, walking around the block about 10 o'clock because it was the only thing. Wouldn't have daddy, wouldn't have anything fed. Had total nursing strike at three months in the daytime. And just like, what's this about? He'd never had a bottle his entire life. And I was just like, what? what? <laughs> it was just total just like oh my god so yeah and wouldn't, wouldn't settle on the breath I had a very uh, massive oversupply which didn't help so he would literally feed for two minutes be done but of course then wouldn't be asleep so I had to find other ways for him to sleep so lived in the sling totally wouldn't go in the buggy wouldn't go in the car seat wouldn't you know just like so get, sort of gave up traveling by car really just went on the bus everywhere with him in the sling because it was easier um, so yeah it was really 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 difficult uh, so, and nothing that I'd done with my other kids worked and that was what the hardest thing was mm-hmm. um, so yeah really really hard yeah. uh, he was also a complete nightmare toddler <laughs> so, he was a runner so he let go of his hand and he was whoosh, gone you know what I mean bam absolutely I have, I've got I, one of them it's, it's intense they yeah. do grow out of it even those ones that they do honestly you'll be okay soon give it a few have another year <laughs> I think we, we. I think I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. I think we've kind of come out of it, but for about two years. I, I, and again, I had an early walker, and I just felt like the second he put one foot in front of the other, he just never stopped running. Like he literally yeah. could run before he could walk. Like yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if there's ever an open gate in the playground, he's on. Find it. <laughs> I used to go round and actually close all the gates the first thing that I did when we walked in. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. <laughs> so, but yeah, so then they then they managed to learn how to open doors, which is a really bad idea. Oh my God, when they can learn to open doors, that's ter- terrible when that happens. But um, yeah, thankfully he never went out the front door. That was always my main concern, actually, that he would go out the front door because yeah. my friend's little girl went to the shop on her own when she was about three. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and so found her up and down the street. <laughs> so but yeah he never did that one I was so thankful of that <laughs> so, but yeah that was one of the few yeah it was just really really high he just I mean he didn't really sleep you know at all particularly mm-hmm. I, go, I I went back to work quite early with him um, I had to with him and his with the, my two single ones I had to go because he you know self-employed I'm a music teacher as well that's my other job so self-employed music teachers I don't really get very good maternity leave and so so you know that was but I remember taking him to the charm and and, and her first the comment when I picked him up was like, "Oh my god, he doesn't sleep, does he?" And I was like, "See, I, t- I told you, <laughs> so I'd, I'd warned her before." <laughs> Very low sleep sleep needs child generally. He was fine on you know ten hours and no nap at the age of four. You know, absolutely fine on that. Uh, uh, you know, whereas his twin brothers, you know, when they first started school, they were real proper twelve to thirteen hour kids. Do you know what I mean? They they needed a really really big stretch of sleep over so that was a bit of a learning curve so he would often be up nine o'clock ten yeah. sometimes and, and still be fine for school the next day um and it was uh yeah just really really intense I think was the main thing so um struggled slightly with him uh it has put me off having any more I think that's probably why I got given him as number four so I didn't have any more children <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah that's not gonna do it <laughs> but he has sort of bloomed into a very very self-confident 
child you know what I mean as and he walked in school no problems whatsoever didn't you know look back particularly he was a little bit worried about it beforehand which but you know once he got there and he was absolutely fine um so I think if it's this kind of orchids uh when I first read the 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 kind of terminology in orchid I just thought you know what actually that's sums him up totally because it, he would see, needed so much nurturing mm. in those early days one of the proudest moments you know, things that I've done in my life is managed to nurture him <laughs> not actually you know throw him out the window which was quite tempting sometimes <laughs> so, but you know managed to nurture him as best I could with three out of three children but um you know managed to cope with that and managed to survive and actually then once he got over his really intense big feelings and as toddlers you know, mm-hmm. massive dance, a whole lot, you know what I mean? Quite extreme from that point of view. But once we kind of got over that, he was actually an absolute delight, you know what I mean? And just like, and he's so creative and so just like, he's done, I've always said from the moment he was, uh, you know, from the toddler years, really, he's either going to change the world or he's going to go to prison. So my job is to stop it being the second one. Yeah. If I can stop it being that one, because he, I caught him shoplifting two days ago. He's, come on I mean he's eight he knows that he's not supposed to do this so you know he'd put a lolly in his pocket in Londres what, <laughs> what a rebel purpose yeah try and take it so he'd get a second one yeah you know what I mean I was just like you can't do that but you know he used to do that sort of stuff all the time and you can't whereas the others had a bit of a moral compass and that as soon as I explained why you know all kids take sweets you know what I mean that's what they do but <laughs> so but you know you can usually stop it and nip it the buds quite mm. early you know what I mean but with him it didn't work at all he just doesn't he's just got no self-control impulse factor mm. 100% you know so can't can't stop himself doing stuff so yeah it's very very interesting um uh yeah I think he'll probably go quite a long way if I can stop him going to jail so that's my main job as a parent <laughs> So I was interested because you mentioned that the twins had each other. Yep. Did they sleep in the like? Did they co-bed or co-sleep with you, or what was your sleep setup? Um, it would it would have been different if I'd done it now, actually. But to start with, I, they did share. Um, I used Moses baskets to begin with because I thought that's what you were supposed to do, which sort of worked. But you know, but actually they went into a big cot and shared. Um, from about probably a month in, maybe six weeks, something like that. And actually, they I think that really helped them. Regulate uh, their wake ups. Actually, there's quite a bit, there's a bit of research on the um, basis online. You know, Durham University, mm-hmm. which the Twins Trust funded, about um, twins co-bedding and sharing that sharing their sleep space, and that actually does regulate their their sleep cycles. Just like it, you know, the the research that shows when you bed share they that you regulate with your baby as well. So same kind of thing. Um, so yeah, so that um, that did help a little bit, and then they started hitting each other. So I then separated them, but had them right next to each other. Yeah. Um, but if I was get to to do it again, I would have um, made a big co-sleeper cot out of a standard cot. So this is what I always suggest to twin parents to make life a lot easier. Because I did it with my singletons and it was so much easier. And that's to, you know, take the side off a, a cot and push it right up to bed. Yeah. Butt your mattresses up together, make sure they're same level, stuff any gaps and all that kind of stuff and just have them there next to you so that you, mm-hmm. you can just get to them much more easily and settle them much more easily as well. And I think, you know, I would have done that uh, um, with the twins if I'd, I ever read anything about it because it yeah. makes total sense <laughs> so but no one did that back in 2005 <laughs> yeah of course and so there'll be one spot yes because you can fit two babies in and quite often if you sleep them horizontally so their feet are on your mattress mm-hmm. then you can honestly you can keep that set up for well into you know even into the toddler years if you want yeah. to you know what I mean but yeah then a big advocate for floor beds I discovered the floor bed with the twins by accident because I was staying we were staying at um our sister-in-law's my sister-in-law's house and uh they didn't have they they didn't have sort of beds exactly uh they were just about of the age where they were going into toddler beds but they didn't have any so they had a kind of fold out sort of floor mattressy sort of sofa type thing you know which just like one of the cheap sort of you know Ikea jobs I think it was <laughs> one of those you know what I mean where it just mm-hmm. turned into a kind of floor bed when you unrolled it and so I, um, they slept on there to begin with, and then I just got up and and slept with them and sort of settled them because they were, you know, when they, you know, when they're in that getting up at five a.m. mode, mm-hmm. that bit, you know, 
<laughs> so got into bed with them at about four in the morning and stayed there and they went back to sleep again and, and and I was like oh okay so then we tried to replicate that a little bit at home which helped massively so I'm now a big advocate for floor beds for twins as well because I think that would have made my life a lot easier too if I had actually done that looking back <laughs> so even yeah. though they were quite good sleepers you still had those those periods that that period of time I think it's around sort of around 18 months where they were really up at 5am every day if I didn't toddle them back to sleep again um uh so you know that that did make quite a big difference I think so yeah that's how I would do it now if I were to do it again which I'm not (laughs) (laughs) but with your orchid was he a co-sleeper was that absolutely he'd never even set foot in a cot literally if I tried to lower him and he'd just scream immediately so just like he wouldn't wouldn't have it at all I mean I did have the cot on the side of the bed but that was really just to make sure he didn't roll off he didn't ever sleep in it but he, yeah. it stopped him rolling off the bed because <laughs> if he did roll he went into the cot which was fine <laughs> so, uh, but yeah he was no he was not having any of it whatsoever so um, I completely got rid of that idea yeah I suppose I suppose the problem with with all well, the challenges with co-sleeping and twins isn't it is that many are born preterm low yeah. birth weight etc and so I think that's so um, that's where the that's where the side cot yeah, works. Thing works really well because you've got that separate sleep space that you can use without technically bed sharing, yeah. and there's no research as to when it is safe to, and they can't research it. This is the problem. There's mm-hmm. no research as to when it's safe to start bed sharing with a premature baby. Yeah, there just isn't any, you know. But yeah. I mean, what I normally suggest to parents is is have to they have to use their intuition as to whether they think it's safe or not and that's basically you know so go over your other risk factors anything else you know if the baby's healthy if they're feeding well if they're alert and waking themselves for feeds if they're behaving like a normal baby is Mm -hmm. at their adjusted age you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so whatever that is Mm -hmm. you know uh if they're sort of two months adjusted or whatever and, and they're waking themselves and they're you know they haven't got any underlying health conditions especially around breathing and such like is always the biggest risk factor for anything like that around sleep um you know then you you know falling asleep in your bed with your baby's going to be less risky than doing it on a sofa or an armchair yeah so that's the yeah yeah basically you have to balance the risks don't you at the end of the day um so yeah i can't say i was i can't say it's safe because there's no research to say it's safe so i can't say it's safe but you know if you think about all the different do a bit of research yourself think about all the different risk factors and all this sort of stuff and make a make an informed choice as to when you think that your babies will be okay so um and that's all you can do so uh but yeah many many twin parents end up bed sharing <laughs> eventually it's usually in the later months actually i find yeah after, you know yeah after the initial adrenaline of having a newborn wears off and you're really you know, i'm really tired yes <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. Thank you so much, Catherine. I feel like there's been such a lovely mix in this of like really good <laughs> practical advice, but also just like, you know, hearing your own stories and like obviously you've had an amazing attitude and mindset to the whole thing and and, and laughing about it, I think is probably a big part of do you I think, think if you, you don't laugh, you cry. So that's yeah. about <laughs> Yeah. But I've always been one of those people that's been really honest about what's happening in my in with my kids. So I think that really helps, and it, it seems to help a lot of other people as well. I'd always try and you know, you know, when you're in your little sort of group of mums, you know, like your NCT group or something like that, and it's all a bit like my baby's doing this and my baby's doing that. I was always like, oh, mine isn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yeah. and then you get two or three people going, oh no, actually mine isn't either, and it just gave them permission to actually be quite honest about how they were how they were finding it and stuff like that you know you know I've always been fine at saying it's quite hard and you know finding it difficult so I think I think that's one of the the best things is trying trying to be real as much as possible because actually it helps other people as well as yourself so and you find it find other people going through the same thing if you're doing if you do that as well yeah yeah gosh yeah yeah I think that it really does and you're right and I think god the, the yeah, we could talk a lot, couldn't we, about why some people aren't honest and why some, you know, all feel like they can't be. And but yeah, being having a laugh about it, but also being like, this is really, really difficult. Is yeah, yeah it's that balance, isn't it? And it does help other people feel a lot less alone. So thank you so much for like giving up your time and talking to right. us. And, it's fun. And, 
And so if people want to learn more about you, I'll link to your website in the show notes. But is there anything you've got coming up that you wanted to mention or? Um, I I don't know. I'm just around quite a bit. I do Q&As and stuff like that. So if you've got anything, if you're an expectant twin parent, come join our Facebook group because it's amazing. Um, And uh, we do, I do antenatal sessions on there every couple of months as well. So if you're wanting to learn about sort of preparing to breastfeed and knowing what you're in for basically <laughs> that's a good one to come to so um we're a charity so we're, we're they funded me to do that which is lovely and um you know we have lots of support on that uh for any twin parents um who are wanting to breastfeed or breastfeeding already or whatever uh and uh yeah i, I don't know i'm just a kind of I, I like to be present on instagram i suppose it's yeah. probably the best way so i try and do a q a every fortnight and things like that so and, yeah, the answer is normally yes it is normal yeah. when you do Q&A isn't it yeah, yeah. and it won't last forever yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah we're doing a Q&A actually live me and Miriam who's uh, my uh, lactation consultant colleague that we do a lot of our workshops so I did quite a few workshops uh, online zoom workshops stuff like that so we're doing a, a little live Q&A on Instagram soon so we'll do one of those every so often and things like that you know it's it's fun trying to spread the word yeah <laughs> thank you for all the work you do on Instagram you are definitely a force for good and and <laughs> information and yeah but thank you so much oh how amazing is Catherine Stagg Oh my God, I love that. And it really left me with such a big smile on my face afterwards because she's so knowledgeable and she's so funny and reassuring. And I was thinking how different I think my whole experience of early motherhood would have been if I'd had 15 minutes with Catherine Stagg. (laughs) And I was also reflecting on how important support really really is and that doesn't always mean paying for it although you know that can be an option as well but sometimes it is that amazing midwife or health visitor or the other parent you meet in the park and they say something to you that just makes you feel like you're doing a good job you're not messing this up and that this too shall pass if you are in a hard time think those experiences are so so important and I hope that today's episode helped you feel like that you're really not a failure if your baby needs you a lot right now or if you're feeling overwhelmed or like you don't know what to do next you've got this it's okay it's hard but just because you're finding it hard it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong